0: Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. Coming up. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, it might be a slow week because everyone's off for the holidays, but the investment bankers are working $155 billion. M&A deal, Pfizer and Allergan, that's what we're going to talk about. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, from New York, ready to give you the business, here's the Money Beat crew. Welcome to the Money Beat blog on this Thanks Money Beat blog. Welcome to the Money Beat blog if you're on the Money Beat blog. But if you're listening to the Money Beat podcast, I would like to welcome you to that. Also, uh, on this Thanksgiving week, Paul Vigna, Maureen Farrell, Eric Holm, and Dana Mattioli. Today, we are talking about... Uh, a deal a very big deal an extremely large deal Pfizer allergan 155 150 billion Dana what is it what's the number on that 155 name? 155 billion dollar m a tie up uh and this is going to be good because cause depends why? on how
1: you're looking at it it's not great if you're the US government because a uh, New York based Pfizer will be
0: moving to Dublin as a result of this deal right and, and and that's the the thing about this deal is yes it's a gigantic deal uh biggest M&A deal this year right yeah and probably the second biggest of all time right probably the second I mean huge massive deal big tie up pharmaceuticals but it it really does not seem to be that you know, making these companies better was the real goal. I mean, am I wrong?
1: Arguably, you'll have a much bigger R&D budget as a result of this, and that's been um, something that's been highly debated in the pharma industry this year, given the likes of Valiant, which likes to slash R&D. So it's good for potential new products and pipelines, but it's definitely a controversial deal and something that the government would be eyeing closely and and weighing in on.
0: Right. And this is, we've been talking about this one for a long time. Look, the the bottom line is taxes are a huge deal, a huge, huge part of this deal, if not the primary reason that this thing's happening in the first place, right?
2: I mean, it definitely is. Ian Reid, the CEO of Pfizer, has been very vocal about that. I mean, he said it's not. They're working with one hand tied behind their back, Pfizer, as a U.S. company. um, Allergan, we saw they sort of moved over there through their own inversion a while back. I mean, this technically is an inversion, right? Because it still was Pfizer's buyer. But, um, so yeah, I mean, he he wants to slash the company's tax rate. He's been looking for a deal for a long time to do that, and
1: now now he finally has it. And, and this is his second attempt. He tried this last year with AstraZeneca. Didn't right. go so well. Um, also a big deal. It would have been $120 billion. Um, he went hostile on them for the same purpose of moving to the yeah. U.K., which has a much lower corporate tax rate, and he had to um, pull back.
0: Yeah. And it's 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 interesting in that just, was it just last week that the Treasury Department came out with new rules on these inversions? And the, the initial take is that this deal won't be subject to those new rules?
1: Yeah, the, everyone was worried about these new rules, but the bark was much bigger than the bite. And um, once they were released, no one really... Thinks that it will impact, you know, the chances of this deal being closed.
0: Yeah, uh, Eric Holm, I see you over there in, in the studio, and, and sadly, you are the the wrong home that we <laughs> wish we. There had. was a better. There home was a better home, earlier. yeah, <laughs> earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for Jason Gay's podcast, Holly Home. But Eric Holm, we're happy to have you too. Uh, <laughs> uh, on, the, on this deal, we're, I'm, we're,
3: I'm not as good in the ring. You're not. No, no. She's an excellent pretty feisty. I think MMA feisty. fighter. Yeah, and I, I can't even take a punch if, I, if my life depended on it. <laughs> uh, th-
0: this was not, uh, the market reaction to this was not huge, right?
3: Uh, Maureen back me up. I think both shares fell a little bit, but not, there wasn't a huge reaction. Um, largely, I think, because this was very widely telegraphed. Um, first, because uh, I, I, I believe uh, we here at the Journal, or Dana and her colleagues, broke the story that they were in talks, and then they acknowledged that, and then there were hints that they were getting closer, and everyone everyone saw this coming from a mile away. Yeah. Yeah, these inversions, it seemed like, I don't know how long
0: ago it was, but it seemed like these were all the rage for a while. Then the government got, you know, at least a little politically savvy about mm-hmm. how much it means, clamped down a little bit. Uh, is is this just the will of one CEO and, and one, one board and one group, or is this... Part of a trend, or is this signal a, a, a revamping of the trend of inversion? Where, where does all this go now?
1: It's part of a trend. If you look last year, um, there were more than a dozen inversions, largely driven by healthcare companies. Because if one inverted, everyone else felt like they were at a competitive disadvantage. And then you started seeing industrial companies looking at it, and chemical companies, and then. You know, the Treasury clamped down. They largely went away. And then we saw a few sneak by the goals, you know, this year. We saw Coca-Cola Enterprises, their bottling mm-hmm. services, inverted earlier uh, this year. We saw a chemical one with OCI and CF Industries inverting. But what we saw was it wasn't Burger King. It wasn't Pfizer until now. It wasn't a household name trying to do this. It wasn't like a piece of Americana. It was these little-known companies.
0: All right. I'm going to ask a question here because I look at this, and I, and I look at this story that that Danny, you wrote with, with John Rockoff and and Lisa Biofluss. Be- and one thing that stuck out at one, that really jumped out at me was when they started talking about what this is going to do to their bottom line over the next couple of years, and this deal, you know, and, and again, they don't project this deal to really pay big dividends on the bottom line for several years, mm-hmm. and. Who knows what will happen several years down the road? I mean, if you're making a prediction for four or five years out, you might as well be throwing a dart blind. You really don't know what's going to happen. So, you know... I have to admit, I get a little mad when I see deals like this, because it's a lot of money moving around. The reasons for it do not seem to at all really be about creating a better company, creating better Mm -hmm. products, doing better for your customers, your people. Maybe it does better for your bottom line, and that does better for your shareholders, but the shareholders don't seem to really be excited about it even. Something like this is something that seems to be done just for accounting purposes, not for the, the company. And... That, that, that bugs me a little bit. That bugs me a little bit. Anyone back me up? Am I, am I just being a little too sensitive well, about this? You're not going to see the traditional,
1: quote-unquote, synergies that you see with other deals here. Yeah. Because um, the companies aren't that much alike. You know, Allergan makes Botox and Pfizer makes Lipitor, which lowers cholesterol, right? So there's not really a natural synergy there. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of financial engineering going on, arguably. And I almost think that's part of why you saw the stocks react the way they did today. Allergan's a really well-run company. There's the CEO Brent Saunders. He's considered a rock star. It's growing really quickly because it has a lot of these cosmetic types of products, like like a Botox. Mm-hmm. And if you're a shareholder, you're getting Pfizer stock. Gl- it grows a lot slower, and people start wondering: should they just have stuck it out alone?
0: Yeah,
3: but then- and that Allergan's, uh CEO. Saunders, is Saunders right? Yes. Maureen, you wrote about this this morning. This guy has been on a roll.
2: I mean, he's he's inked about three hundred billion dollars worth of deals in a little in less than three years.
3: Mm-hmm. So this Pfizer wow. one, being the last one, being about half of it, but exactly a bunch of other ones. That's big. More now, yeah. That's and huge.
1: number. He loves striking inversions himself. I mean, yeah. Allergan was based in California until last year. <laughs> um, the company that he was CEO of Octavis was also U.S. based. And they combined with um, another company, I think Watson, and and moved abroad. And he's returned to this structure himself. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's I guess he's not only like the 300 billion dollar deal maker, but when you think of like all the tax revenues <laughs> he's brought outside of the U.S., we could create another figure on that yeah. one. Yeah, uh, let's be take. Staggering.
0: A, let's take a quick break, and and maybe we'll get to that in a second. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Spend lots of time on your device. Then spend some of that time with us, WSJ Podcasts, the sound of success. Now, Money Beat. $155 billion M&A deal, pfizer Allergan. That's what we are talking about today. It is late in the year. We are almost done with November. The holiday season is upon us. And while we don't know exactly at this second, as of this moment that we are taping this podcast, what this $155 billion deal does Exactly to the M and A tables, where it puts them in terms of of a record year. This is going to be a record year for M and A, right?
2: I mean, it's within spitting distance, right? Right at this moment, right. and not just not just that we're on pace. We've been on pace for a record year for a while, just year to date versus year to date. But we're within like a deal or a few billion dollars away from the uh, busiest year of announced
1: deals ever on
2: record. All-time
3: record surpassing 2007 right in 2007 was up till now sort of the number that everyone threw around is sort of the, the yeah that the, was the biggest ever
1: 4.3 trillion dollars and i think maureen said it was around 4.2 trillion dollars as of right now and we still have more than a month left yeah Wow. So by by week's end, in theory, I don't know, it's a short week, maybe not. But <laughs>
0: right, by right. next week, by next week, well, if we get deal just...
1: makers love holiday weekends. They have an extra day to work out a deal without the stock prices moving. So who knows?
0: Yeah. <laughs> do, what, what do you take away from that? And you guys, look, you guys talk to people in in these these industries and in the sectors much more than I do. I, I mean, what do people when they talk about a record year for deals? Does that what does it mean? Is it just a mechanical thing because the numbers are what they are? I mean, do people really see this as significant or not significant? What do they make of it?
1: Well, it's going to be a great year for the investment banks, obviously, because right. your pay is tied to the amount of deal volume you have. So even just a deal like pfizer Allergan, the fees will be enormous on that. Yeah. So it's probably good for Wall Street and the bankers and lawyers involved. But then if you look at you know the human capital involved in deal-making. A lot of where you get the synergies and the bottom line movement is by cutting jobs and getting rid of redundancies. So, arguably, it it might not be great for the economy and and job creation and the
0: like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I see things like this, my first thought is, and especially when you tell me that the previous record was 2007, I mean, to me, that just (laughs) screams top. You know what else screams screams top? You know what else is interesting? Well, me, I scream top. Yeah. Eric Holmuth. What, yeah, what well, you screen top? top
3: all the time, but yeah, I know. you know what else okay. is um is interesting? Is that the IPO market this year is pretty dismal, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, there there are some deals. And this isn't one of them, but there are some deals that are getting done because uh, selling yourself is is uh, the only option. Going if you're a private company, going public is not the the, the the exit that it uh, that it normally is, mm-hmm.
2: especially in the tech market, we've seen that right, in a big right. way. Like, very few tech companies have tapped the IPO markets, but tech MA is at its highest level
1: on record by a le- by a real long shot.
3: And that's only part of this, but I, yeah, I, I think yes. it's something that you sort of need to acknowledge. Yeah.
1: Even today, the Petco deal got announced. Um, they were pursuing a dual track, an IPO or a sale, and they wound up going with the sale.
3: Another huh. great scoop
1: <laughs>
0: from the Wall Street Journal deal team. Thank you. That's that's it. I didn't even see that one. I missed that one totally. That's interesting. So does this become again? You know, How much weight do you want to put on something like this? That you know you have all four point two trillion, four point three trillion in deals is a huge number. It's a great number, but it, it doesn't seem to be translate. It seems like it's something that's happening in a walled off garden, a very beautiful, expensive walled off garden on its own. Because you look at the the economy where it is. Globally here in the U.S. and you're not seeing that's on fire over there and, and things aren't on fire over here. So uh-huh. can I hope that, you know, because things are on fire over there, that that's going to move over to here and things are going to get better? Or? I think that's why you're seeing the deals happen. Exactly. Yeah. You can't grow
1: organically. They're having to buy growth and financial engineer and cut costs yeah. and move the needle that way because top line's really not moving. Right, but their stock has been
2: moving to a certain extent, so you get to use that as currency. And then one, I mean, one deal you might remember that that was a big factor in is AOL Time Warner. I mean, when you kind of think of tops,
1: they. they oh,
2: use when you're it. citing oh. that, that's uh, that should be a <laughs> <That's> warning sign.
3: <laughs> I
1: saw they're still writing that deal down wow. as if their most recent earnings.
0: Seriously,
3: oh, wow. Time wow. Time
0: Warner or AOL, <laughs> which one? Time Warner. <laughs> wow, that is horrific. Uh, you know, and to get back to this Pfizer-Alegren deal and to show just how much this really seems to be a lot about just moving digits around on an accounting ledger, uh, Eric, your post today, you talk about how, so this this company announces this deal today, and almost immediately they start talking about how they're going to break the company up.
3: Right, right. Yeah. It, it, this, is the, this $155 billion deal, one of the largest deals in history, is sort of step one in a sort of a two-step process. Step two would be, to split it up again. And it, in fact, Pfizer's actually been talking about that for a few years where they want to sort of uh, sp- split into two companies, one being the one that has the drugs that are patent protected and that is developing new drugs um, and, and has the pipeline. And the other one with the mature drugs, the the, the ones that are competing against generics. Um, and, and so there's the growth company and then there's the, the mature company. And that's been the playbook all along and the thinking is that uh, adding Allergan sort of uh, rounds out um, the, the, the the greater Pfizer that allows you to then do that and, and split off into two. Now, some shareholders sounded a little disappointed today, Maureen, we were looking at this. Originally, Pfizer had said, well, you know what, we'll tell you what our thoughts are on the split by the end of 2016, and now... Uh, some folks like me who were coming to this a little cold were surprised to hear them talking about splitting up at all, but uh, actually they've pushed back the timetable on that to, to 2018. Wow.
2: So, yeah, yeah, it'll be, I mean, at the earliest, I guess, a 2019 event, but uh-huh. it's funny, I mean... As we right, talk, they'll
3: decide 2018 about it, what they'll do, and yeah. then it takes a while to implement it.
2: Um, but, I mean, in terms of what we talk about, like financial engineering to the extent that you would, anyone would call it that, I mean, if people weren't the other benefit for the deal be, was beyond taxes was this, a breakup. Yeah. So, you know, some analysts were saying, oh, don't worry about the taxes. It's still a great deal because they can break up after this.
0: It's almost like, uh, it definitely sounds to me like, you know, the, the whole good bank, bad
3: bank thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or a mature company and growth company. The growth company yeah. would trade at a higher multiple. But you know who really wins when you merge and then break up again? Are the investment banks. <laughs> right. And- and it's right. going
2: to be interesting. I mean, going into the election now, this is the, again the second biggest deal ever. It's these taxes are moving offshore. I mean, are we going to get this like long-awaited corporate tax? Um, yeah, and what what change? What,
0: what happens with that if they move? To, and I know we, we have to wrap this up in a minute, but I, I want to talk about this quickly. Like, okay, they they move their listing from the U.S. to overseas. They become incorporated in in Dublin. Dublin. Uh, they still have to pay some taxes here though right yeah on
1: us profits you still pay a tax right
0: right so they would still pay some taxes but this clearly... will help them tap their offshore
1: cash yeah which they can't currently bring back right. without receiving a really bad tax right
0: fit. so that's what happens is they kind of move that around and then they can get a better shot at, at using that money
3: however they want exactly yeah. Uh, and they talked about buying back shares. Buybacks. Here. I was just going to say buybacks. Of course, <laughs> buybacks.
0: All right. Uh, let, let's wrap it up there. Dana, Marine, Eric, myself, everyone. Thanks for listening. I think we will hear you will hear from us one more time this week. But uh, if you miss us, if you're off, you know, with your turkey and football and Black Friday sales, we will talk to you next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at Vanta.com slash WSJ.